So yeah, look, we gonna go ahead and we finna go ahead and jump into because I want to hear this conversation, man. Welcome to the Monsterpreneur Podcast, y'all already know I'm your boy Trek, man. Man, we got a couple of couple of dope people in the building. My boy, my guy KP in the building, Yoski in the building, Jay Famous in the motherfucking building. You know what I'm saying? Now look. Uh, if you're new to the kind of the, the channel, like, comment, subscribe, all that good shit. I'm trying to get to this because this, this conversation I've been waiting to have for a very long time. Trendsetter. Appreciate uh, that. Trailblazer. Appreciate that. Uh, gangsta Pat in the building, by the way, y'all. What it do, what it do, man. Black Haven's finest. For sure, for sure. Other than my, I got to put myself in there. I'm a Black Haven nigga too, but I, I model myself after after watching cats like you. You know what I'm saying? Man, I want to go into it immediately where you want to go into it. And it's, you know, it's, it's the origin story. Because if people don't know, you are credited of being the first Memphis rap artist to sign a major record label deal. Right, right, right. Uh, but before that, right. take me back there, because I'm a student, so I'm just going right. to smoke this blunt. You going to hit this motherfucker with me? <clears throat> of course. Of and course, then we going to just have this conversation. Go ahead. Right. Oh, uh, man. But, you know, back in the days, I have to I have to give credit to those who were there before I came on the scene. And that was people like Spanish Fly. Spanish you know, Spanish Fly was kind of like a DJ and a rapper. He was a DJ, but he had songs of his own. Right like, there. You know, so he was Word. he was there before I was. He was one of my inspirations locally. You know, I had the inspiration from people like Run DMC, LL, you know, Curtis Blow. But then you had that local inspiration, the people that really made you feel like, hey, I could probably do the same thing. I could probably get in this shit for real, because look what they doing. Right, right. So you had Spanish Fly. I know all the guys back then that were existing because I was a student of them. I studied them. Spanish Fly, W. Del, Frankie D, mm -hmm. Yoshe, Tony Tyler, um, you had the Walk Home B-Boy, you know what I'm saying? You had this group called Mem Fresh, M-Team. I mean, it was just, Memphis had a lot of different, and all of them had their own style. It was so colorful. Then you had this group from New York that used to come to Memphis called the King Tubby Posse. They had like two DJs, they had real 1200s and big, they had all the stuff Run DMC had, but they just wasn't as famous as Run DMC. So, when they come to that part, man, I know all the history of them of the Memphis rap scene because I was a student of it and I studied it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pretty Tony, you know what I'm saying, was around Shout back then. Tony. Yeah, 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 North Memphis, man. So, I mean, it was a lot of rappers, but I was the first one to actually get a deal as a rapper and right, have a right. video on TV, have songs playing on the radio. Now, before the, before the deal, and we get into that part, like, right. what was the scene like then and who were the, who were the, the names of those that were coming up at the time, oh, the ones that had more of a prominent. Oh, it's a it long was, list, but I, I'll try to remember everybody I can. Uh, without without disrespecting anybody, because right, you know, right, people right, get right. mad, you leave their yeah, names yeah, out. Know, know, we I'm apologize for that. Right, yeah, we'll put a disclaimer there. We, please, any names left out. That's been a while. You know, I, okay, I'll say um, back then the scene was, you know, of course, A Ball, MJG, they was right, around. Right, Tila, yeah, you had. Uh, yeah, Paul and Juicy wasn't, they hadn't formed 3-6 yet. I think they were like the serial killers or something like that. Yeah, because it was Paul and, and Ricky, Before like Lord, right? Yeah, we used okay. to be a group together. Me, Paul, and Lord was trying to put a group together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was before the 3-6 days. Uh, you had Homicide, you know, Zerk and Squeaky, of course. They were putting out mixtapes back then before they formed their own label and stuff like that. FM, uh, shoot, man. It's, it's a lot of people, Freak man. Uh, Freak Master, yeah, that's my dog. Uh, you had this guy named Cody Mack. 
who was actually one of the first guys who were really triple tongue and it style that Lord Infamous dude, right, style right, I right, did right, on that right, verse right. and it go back like past us yeah. to this guy named Cody Mack. He was he was one of the ones that was triple tongue before anybody. So like, y'all hear that, right? Yeah, yeah, Cody Mack, that he a legend, man. Uh he go back, cause like DOC was kind of touching on a little bit with his, Most you know, like World Weird Pyramid, them songs like that. We was, but Cody Mack was kind of a consistent. He, honestly, he kind of reminded you of Bone a little bit before. Oh, there was a Bone. Cause he was flipped long like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't, he ain't really put no harmony in it, but them long extended flip to keep the line going, and he was notorious for. Hey, that did you participate so. in the Memphis fuck, fuck Bone? Nah, that, nah. that didn't have nothing to do with me. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I didn't just have a random question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just nah, a random question. That didn't have nothing to do with you me. Because, you know, all Memphis niggas was like, man, you know, yeah. fuck Bone Thugs right. when that but whole see, thing hit. This is yeah. the thing a lot of people don't know. I almost had a deal with Easy before Bone did. Okay. See tell what us, I'm tell saying? Us, I want to hear about Right. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people don't know that my sister in law was married to one of the original. Original back in the day NWA members like that's my brother ex brother in law which wow. that's my little niece's father now he played drums for Miss Chalet and wow. a lot of other groups that Rufus were working with he was also on tour with them so wow. there have been times where he was in time with me and he would be picking up the phone hitting up Dre and I'm just lit that's why if you notice on my Facebook I got a picture with a Rufus jacket on it's a Miss Chalet Bank Russell tour jacket right, right, right. that's how I got that jacket through him see what I'm saying so I've been in the room where he pick up the phone, he calling people from NWA, chopping it up with him, you know, but, and plus, he actually sent some of my music, Dre. He actually listened to it, but it's like, he, he got a list of people so long, man. It's like, you damn near got to give up your career to get in line to work with him, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, Definitely I ain't wanna, one of my influences. Yeah, a lot of, I hear a lot of artists that have signed to them complain about they never got a chance can't get, to. Can't get with right. Them. So I didn't want to take yeah, myself to with them. Yeah, I got a partner, real close partner. Right. Got a cousin, his name John Connor. Right. He been over there after that for a long time. Mm. Uh, Dre pulled him out on a couple of things. And I guess Dre be like, nigga, figure it out, nigga. I just pulled you out. Right. Figure it out. But yeah, niggas, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? But yeah, keep going. I want to. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, um, what year is this? Because I see oh. on uh, 91 is pretty much the the year that you dropped your first album. <laughs> yeah, this was. This, this was, was way before then. <laughs> well, actually, my album, had, I had just got that deal with Atlantic. When I was when I was when I when he was trying to send send my stuff to Drake, I had just got that Atlantic situation going. You know so when you saying? dropped your first album, you was a signed artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already. I signed with an independent record label called Good to Go Productions. Right. Okay. That was first. Right. Then the CEO of that label got killed. I was in the car with him when he got murdered. Matter of fact, I got shot in the head just like Suge Knight got you shot. You know what you told me the story. Right. Before. He got killed just like Tupac got. They was in the BMW. We was in the bed. They was on the Vegas Strip. We was on Bill Street, you see what I'm saying? So that was the first CEO. Then that's when Reginald Boylan came in after he got killed. Reginald Boylan came in and started OTS. He was with GTG, Red started OTS. So it went from OTS to Joy Boy Records. Joy Boy came in and took my match, bought my match. I don't know how they did that negotiation. 
but they got my masters and it was through Joy Boy that I got the Atlantic distribution. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because one of the guys that worked for Joy Boy, he knew my father, this dude named Rod Kennedy. Right. OG, cool as hell. He used to walk around with a parrot on his shoulder, man. Anybody that was I back in the day. Me, yeah, yeah anybody back that. in the day knew Rod Kennedy, man. Real dude, man. A on his yeah, own, him and my father was tight, so. See, that was one of my next points, your, your father. Right, right, Tell right. us a little bit about Mr. Willie Howard. Oh, man. Because uh, he's a legend in his own right. Yeah, he is. He is, man. Uh, he, he, what's amazing about my father, man, is like, he wasn't no record exec or nothing like that. Mm. He did all of what he did strictly by playing drums. Mm. He played his way right. into them spots. As a kid, he reminded me of myself. It's a trip how you follow your parents' footsteps without even trying because he used to go up to Stack Studio. Cut school, go up there, stand in front of it when the school bus coming through, so the kids can see him, right? And what y'all doing up in the state? Oh, we got some men on the line, flogging. But when I was growing up, I did the same thing. I used to cut Sherwood and go up to Good to Go Studio and wait till he come there. And somebody go, oh, I seen you up in that building. What was you? Oh, man, yeah, I got a little record deal coming. I'm did your daddy ever find it was coming school? Nah, nah, nah. Hell no. If, if, he, if he caught you hypothetical, would he have been like, I'm gonna beat your ass. Hell yeah, yeah. I did the she same said, thing. Yeah, yeah. Still, he never stopped being. So he wouldn't have been like, nigga, I did the same thing. Nah, it's a parent, man. <laughs> that shit wasn't gonna work. <laughs> uh, uh. He's like, oh man, you know what, son? Right, right, right. I used right. to cut school and go nah, to the labels all the time. Nah, <laughs> nah, 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 nah,
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Nigga just like, damn, they determined it's gotta be an iPhone. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, yeah, back, that was a big name because Nouveau, you, know, you didn't want nobody saying you had no gym. So check this out. We talking about late 80s, early in the career, early 90s. Right. This is in the time of, uh, of the parental advisory and censorship wars, right? Right, right. When y'all was first making y'all set of records, y'all was having to make them without the parental advisory sticker? Or was you making records and did that come right soon after or when you got in, it was just already? Well, back then, as an artist, we didn't really get into the press in a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't really know as far as the sticker and stuff. I'm sure they had it on my Atlantic product. So niggas was just cussing on the records anyway. Yeah, they was cussing on the records anyway. I think when Major Labels got it, they had to stick the sticker, but I don't know if independent artists were required to, because I remember some cases where the stores had a big roll of stickers. So I guess if a tape came in and it didn't have it, they could just take it and put it on there from the sticker roll. So I think it depends on who you were signed with, how big of a budget you had. You know, because I think if they knew your shit wasn't going nowhere, it don't matter what's on it, it's just going to sit on the shelf. It ain't going to make no noise anyway, so... What do you think the miss, the biggest misperception about Memphis, Memphis' role in hip-hop period? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a big misconception, and, and we get overlooked a lot. Like, we ain't never been honored in the VH1 honors, but yet our artists have ruled the damn, you know, the, the industry yeah. for years, you know what I'm saying? Our style been number one in the industry for how long now? They still using it, so we get overlooked a lot. And I just think, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I just, I just think because we kind of, look how big Texas is, yeah. you know what I'm yeah, saying, yeah, we, yeah. we kind of in the midst of Texas, St. Louis, you know, I think it, it has to do with where we sit, we're around a lot of shit, Florida down at the bottom of us, could be location, I don't know, but I know Memphis is a music mecca of the world, man, you know what I'm saying, you got some of the coldest musicians and singers in the world that came out of it and then came through Memphis, so, I just don't know why we get overlooked, man. The only ones. Right. The, the, the ones that they tell the stories of. Right, right. All yeah. come back to him. And, 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 or, or had to make sure they made it a destination on their motherfucking map. Right, they had right. to be here. Because what's going on in Atlanta, how did that not happen in Memphis, bro? How did that boom that Atlanta had didn't happen in Memphis? Uh, I don't understand it. I got, I have a... KP likes to call them conspiracy theories. Right, right, right. But, you know... Um, and it's really kind of simple. Like, you know, Memphis is the distribution capital. Right. It's always been that way. The boats, right. trains, the planes. Right, right, right. right. And uh, this got to be the city where they offer the warehouse jobs because we need y'all doing it. Right, right. And right. we all know that's the lowest pay grade. It's right. the lowest set of jobs in the world. Right, right. Is the, when people, when you go to New York City or other places, they're like, yo, the factory workers, they're talking about the niggas at the ports and shit. Right? Those, right. Are, those are people. But it's important shit that happens. Right, right, those right. people have to be paid the lowest wages to run it because they got to keep it coming. It's always 12,000 motherfuckers at FedEx every night. Right, that's true. Whether you know, whether the, the truck run your ass off and splash you, you get right. to go on the news, right. they just go hire another motherfucker immediately. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's my just theory of right. why things have right. to be compressed. Right. Right. They can right. you can drain the knowledge and the information. The producers right. made all our producers had to run off to Atlanta, and other places like that. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's always been a topic of conversation. You know what I'm saying? But uh, what do you think about the, the the new blossoming of what's going on now with Memphis and all the light has been getting in the game recently? With, like Glorilla. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good look for the city, man. I'm 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 always 
glad to see my people advancing and progressing, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's daytime, man. We had our time. It's daytime, you know. Yeah. I don't have to agree with everything I see going on, but as long as people eating and they, you know what I'm saying, yeah, they successful. Yeah, yeah. And it gives and, and her success is gonna open the door for some other yeah. artists. So they can see my I like to uh, like to look at it like this. Like we know uh, it takes what. You, you, I, and Al's, and Blacks, and Chets, and our generations, the ones before us, each right. one of us broke down a set of of walls. Right, 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 right. So right. the next one could climb up, you know right. what I'm saying? But it is our responsibility, is the reason why I like to have conversations like this right. with all the OGs. Right, Because right, right, right. I'm, uh, you know, a participant in the game, right. a student and a teacher of the game. Right. And I always follow John Nickers. You know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. And I'm going to take it back to <coughs> Deadly Verses. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What the yeah, fuck? Man. What's your uh, mindset? Man, Deadly. And were you living in Whitehaven then? Uh, I was back and forth. I was in Atlanta and kind of in the Haven. Kind of back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I was taking Haven nigga to Atlanta, man. You know what I'm saying? Bringing Atlanta nigga to the Haven, man. That's I was crazy. back and forth, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was some that was some good times though. I ain't gonna lie. As far as being in the rap game, it was some great times. And yeah. that record, that record walked on its own a lot. See, I never had a promotional budget from no label. When Atlantic signed me, they signed me as one of the groups that they was gonna throw up against the wall. And if it stuck, it stuck. cool. If it fall, we actually we didn't even stay on that label. I don't think three months, bro. We got kicked off going through the same shit for next two times going through. Shooting up show, getting the money from the promoter, had to shoot your way out the motherfucker yeah. because niggas can kick the dough in in the back of the club trying to rob. They want that bankroll because we done had we done been in that position too, and we end up getting kicked off the label for that shit, bro. Oh, wow. Yeah, we as a matter of fact, we man had got so crazy we had to fight with a whole auditorium full of school kids, bro. <laughs> I bullshit you not. It was the craziest shit ever in man? my life. This was in Fed World. <laughs> Fedward. <laughs> I'm talking about the whole, the whole. I know, crowd. I know what the fuck he talking about. Fedward, cause we got to fight with the whole gym. We in there trying to do a show. How the fuck is this? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna keep it short. We in there trying to do a show, right? They let some one of their little local rappers open up the show, and I guess they done gas him up to diss me. I guess that's how he was gonna make a name for himself. So. I'm, I'm, he out there rapping. We like, we cool. You know, do your thing, y'all cat. Then all of a sudden, at the end of his set, he turned around and looked at me and said some shit on the mic and told me to come on. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know if he talking rap or he want to fight. I don't know what. I'm right. young. You know, we young and wild. So, Ready to go. You heard right. me. Right. So me being a young adolescent, I grabbed a mic stand. You remember the heavy mic stand with the heavy bass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of put it right there in his face like, my bust your... And then before I could put it back down, it's, I just heard this rumble. Don't fall one Bro, we looked up the whole place. Don't fall So it was, this, it was this room right here with all the gym equipment. Right. So I grabbed the truck, and my guy grabbed the crate. Mac-10 grabbed it. Mac-10, well, I'm going to tell you, Mac-10 was the only person that came by my side. Everybody else stepped away from me like they weren't with me. Oh, he was man. the only one. He grabbed the crate. He seen me peek that truck. He grabbed the crate. 
And so as they running close, we bagging up. So I swung the chair, he swung the crate. All you hear is knuckles hit the motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, we gotta get the fuck out of here. They gonna kill us. So we strike out to the to the little the gym room, right? So they own us. Like they they would have had us if Ten went to play like he had a pistol. Yeah. They were, they right at the door. He did this right here. And them niggas bagged up. Ooh, they bought us enough time to get in that door and close that motherfucking lock. But when we did that, them niggas kicking the hinges out the door. Boom! Boom! I'm talking about we see the hinges. I said, man, that motherfucker finna break. So it's some volleyball nets in there. We breaking the rod out there, motherfucker. So we back to back, man. As soon as that door come down, cause we're gonna have to swing fire light. Ain't nowhere else to go. All of a sudden the kicking stopped. You hear whistles blowing <laughs> coaches and shit. Get back in y'all seat, get back in y'all. Man, they broke. This shit up, got them young niggas out of control, bro. That's it, man. That shit crazy, no motherfucker. Bro. That's a crazy story. You, this is you doing, huh? This is you bro, doing a rap show. That was the Omni Gangster day. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm the, saying. Yeah. So, so this is the type of shit that's. That, bro, we we dealt that, with that. I seen some of this shit coming in, uh, coming up. And of course, we kept up what was going on, so right. they could pop it up at shows and shit. And, right. And so I experienced some of this shit. You know, like I tell Al the same thing. Like, uh, bro, I was a nigga. I was a nigga and they're looking at that shit like, man, don't fuck with her turning the fuck up. Yeah. That's the type yeah. of energy that was coming. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, man, you, you got to look at it, bro. I got gangster in front of my name. Yeah. I remember we did a show at Mississippi State Valley. We shot that motherfucker. We had to. <laughs> we had to, bro. Them niggas from the town, I motherfucking ass from the wall. One of those little walls. They oh, had their gang down there. I think them niggas were anti-gangster anything. Yeah. So we doing we doing a show with Tony Terry. Tony, you remember Tony Terry? Yeah. Mister went on with you. Yeah. He he old. He saved right? his ass. They were gonna kick his ass too. <laughs> and he was an R&B nigga. You know what I'm saying? R&B yeah, nigga. He yeah. old cause we saved his ass. So we on stage all while we on stage. These niggas threatening. Yeah, nigga, doing all this shit. You know the whole group of niggas like show. I'm like, okay, we did our little show. So after the show, we rush <laughs> off stage. Now you got man, I got my mom and daddy down here with me, bro. Oh shit! It's family down here, so it's a little more serious than just a bunch of niggas. If it was right, a bunch right, of niggas, right, yeah, right. we can rumble, okay. But I got family down here. I'm gonna end up killing one of you motherfuckers about my gun. You touch my folks, bro. I promise you, somebody gonna die down here. Right, right, right. So right. I'm telling, I'm trying. I don't want to tell them what's going on because I don't want them to panic and get scared mm. and shit. So I'm like, y'all, we got to get out of here fast. We got to get back to Memphis fast as we can. So they want to kick it and hang out. We got the road, man. So them niggas done went outside and surrounded our limo, bro. Oh, yeah, man. they got to come get in these cars. Yeah, we got something for these niggas. So Ten come get me like, man, we don't go out there now, bro. We're going to be stuck. We got to go out there now and get these folks in the limo and get the fuck out of here. I'm like, damn. Let's go. Fuck it, man. So we walk out. I got a pistol. He got a pistol. I'm, I'm sorry. I want to see how this. There's a security guard out there standing by a truck, right? He got a big-ass pistol on this. So we like, okay, we got a security guard. We don't know if he going to shoot. These niggas standing around our limo. We can't leave. You know what I'm saying? We done got our money from the promoter and shit. Right. We ready to go. So boom, we gone out there. You know what I'm saying? So ten, but like, who, who's one of y'all niggas looking for gangster pet? Oh, here they come, got around, big and bad. Man, he had a 357. He pulled that big long, it looked like it was in slow motion. He pulled that big long motherfucker out and <laughs> that bitch over their head. Boom! That shit was so loud, them niggas struck out running. So now it's the Harlem night scene, cause I got a little 25. I pull that motherfucker out. So he find it be boom, boom. So we tell them, come on, let's get in the car, they running, they running. 
boom, my mom, I got my mom and dad to run into the car, dog. Like, we out there fine shot. Got them in a little more. Got Tony Terry and them, made sure they was great. Got them, they peeking all out the door. They scared the motherfucker. Got them out of there, so we pulled down the street to a gas station. Everybody just, we trying to get gas, you know, the gas station closed, though, so we like, we gotta get the fuck out of this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. So we chopping up niggas, thank them, man. We appreciate y'all. Y'all wanna went out there and did that, they would've had us, bro. So that we like, yeah, but crazy. that ain't, that, man, it's so many accounts of that. But see, I felt like, at a period of time, I ain't gonna say the record company, but I believe certain people that work for the company was trying to set me up for some shit, because why would you book me? They booked me in, I think it was Ohio somewhere, something like that, and they booked me in a club full of Vice Lord. I'm Gangsta Pat, why would you book me in an all Vice Lord club, bro? Like these niggas, so I'm talking about that. You really think they set that up? Like I that? think they set that up. Cause I, I'm, I believe in that shit. I, I see, I, matter of fact, I seen it, I seen it. I think they set that up. So we get there, it's a sea of red, bro. A sea of red. Mm. I'm like, damn, shoot. Luckily though, luckily though, we won them niggas over though. We still bump. I'm gonna tell you one thing. I don't care what you represent. Niggas love music. They love you. You bumping, they gonna fuck with you. I don't care if you represent something they don't like. If you bumping, they'll give they'll give you a minute to shine. And they'll be like, damn, that nigga gonna get up there and keep keep doing this shit. Right. All right, fuck. Right. He All right. See us out he, he, he see us. us. He know the beat. I let him know. I see y'all. I ain't say no more. I know why I'm in. Yeah, I let him know. Sometimes I see it be about respect. Yeah, yeah. That's real shit. Hey, That's something wild. that a lot of people don't know, and I read this, and I was like. I, I came to realize it later on in my career after following you, but you played all the instruments on a lot of your shit. We talking about guitar, bass, and everything. Right, 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 right. right. Is it, where did you get that from? Well, that's because pops, you know what I'm saying. Used to leave instruments at the house. You know what I'm saying? Like guitars, drum set. He had a whole drum set set up in my bedroom. Of like the drum set from the movie Blues Brothers. I had that set in my bedroom, you see what I'm saying? Mm. So it was always instruments around. Right. Instead of toys, I just go play with the instruments. I yeah. wasn't really big on toys. I like cars, that's about it, but yeah. for all the other toys and stuff, I wasn't big on it. I was, my toys were instruments. Right. So you just learn how to play, and then once, once you know what I'm saying, that phase went away, I started buying my own instruments from the pawn shop. Right. I would save up my money buy my instruments and stuff and just sit at home and pray. It was just something I just loved to do because I used to be in the studio so much. Like, I was in a lot of sessions back this in the stage. life for you. This is regular seeing life. seeing everybody. I wanted to play every instrument I seen them play. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, it was a way of life from Al Green sessions to Rufus Thomas sessions to Isaac Hayes sessions. You know what I'm saying? I was pulling up as a baby at, at Stacks back in when the real Stacks was open. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That, like, like, like this brother right here, Mr. Porter, man, that's... Man, that's like, you know, that's like a mentor and a, and a, and a, and a, and a I mean, shit, he like everything to me, man. It's like a godfather, like everything. That's, that's and, my, and then my folks too, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, he's kinfolk's own greater community. B.B. Porter, my mama used to babysit them. My mama used to babysit them, bro. Yeah, my mama used to keep B.B. when he was a kid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. that's Benita, why I was, that's Benita why I was, and, you know, uh, it was so important away. to have this conversation because you, like, like you will so much of that, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, of that right. Memphis history. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, what yeah. I was saying. Like uh, from the from the time of the ending of the Stacks era, right? Guys are being born right out of that era, right. the end of the era, and it spawned into something else. Right. right and then it takes right, me right. fast forward to the point where now the drum machines and shit like oh, this coming man. out. Like how was that? Because you 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 was playing it. 
you talking about analog and wires yeah, and everything, yeah. tape and everything. Even the first drum machine, because now you got to look at it. When we was with GTG, Fat Tony used to buy every drum machine that came out. We had the original 808, bro. Yeah. The yeah. original we first. Had the SP-12? We had the SP-12. No, we didn't have the SP-1200. The SMK be, brought be, that, though. See, it's the same thing. Yeah. SMK coming through tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm, oh, that's I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna tell you something about SMK, and I'm gonna keep it short, man. Yeah. If it wasn't for SMK, he came in and he really taught Memphis how to work that bass. We didn't know how to really, really work that boom. Because if you listen to the early Memphis stuff, it didn't have all of that. You SMK ingrained it there. it there. But yeah. we're talking about the feeling of actually putting it, playing with that low frequency. Right, right. Make, making it decay and all them different, you know what I'm saying, up and down. We wasn't doing all that. In Memphis rap was more about instruments, live instruments, wow. over them 808 beats. Yeah. But when he came, he chopped everything up. See what I'm saying? He wasn't using instruments. He was chopping shit. So yeah. people started buying SP-1200s then. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, let me chop this. And so he kind of responsible. And I think after he came and set that mark, everybody just kind of followed that suit. You see what I'm saying? Because if you go back, every producer after him linked up with him in some kind of way. Yeah. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. inspired that. And not only that, I think that it's just my personal opinion. I ain't trying to influence nobody else to think this way, but I think. Pop your shit, Nick. Joe C, Timberland. We talked about that. I think those guys. We're, we're going to talk about that. Too. SMK as well. Yeah, you uh, see what I'm saying? I told him a story. Uh, and it's funny because I talked to this nigga for like two hours on the phone yesterday. All right. And we were talking about my first, I was like 19, I was working at FedEx. Right. And I was in the hub and we were eating and shit. And it was a nigga in that joint and we was reading hip hop magazines and I'm in there selling my own CDs. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the nigga was telling the story. I was like, man, Timberland, we were talking producers. And my nigga was like, yo, bro, the, whole, the nigga Timberland created this nigga SMK for the way he do his percussion style, bro. And, and he was got into this whole conversation. I don't know who the fuck SMK is. Right, I just remember right. these three letters. Mm -hmm. And so as we keep, as I get a little older in the game and I start, you know, getting the information. Right. This nigga, I told him, I was like, bro, you walk on water to me already because I'm a, I'm a big producer. Right, right. So right. it's some names of niggas, and right. your name is one of those as well. Right, 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 right. Producers that I paid attention to that was that was home from home. You know right, what I'm saying, right, and right. even though he wasn't, he wasn't born here. You right. know what I'm saying. Right. His, his story is crazy because he landed from up north somewhere and shit, right. and ended up down here and, like you said, putting an organization. But he was traveling all 